This is Shane Jensen of Wharton Moneyball. In this interview, we'll be speaking to Eric Eager, who is VP of Research and Development at Sumer Sports, a sports analytics startup in the football space. Eric is always a fantastic guest, and we had an energetic discussion of the championship games as well as the upcoming Super Bowl. One highlight of the interview was our discussion of how multifaceted the performances that coaches display in football can exhibit. Eric makes the distinction between Andy Reid as a master of scheming and play calling, whereas Nick Sirianni has shown himself to be more of a master of in-game strategic decision-making and risk-taking. We hope you enjoyed the interview and thanks as always for listening to Wharton Moneyball. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Wharton Moneyball on Business Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Wharton Moneyball, the show where sports statistics and business collide. I'm Eric Bradlow, Professor of Marketing and Statistics here at the Wharton School. I'm joined today by my two co-hosts, Professor of Statistics and Data Science Shane Jensen, Professor of Statistics and Data Science Adi Weiner, well, Shane and Adi, clearly one of the best things, parts of our job, besides the interviews we do with infrequent guests, are, of course, our returning guests who are basically people that are part of the show. And I think we would all agree that Eric Eager meets that criterion. Eric's the VP of Research and Development at Sumer Sports. Um, prior to joining Sumer, he was with Pro Football Focus, working with clients from all 32 NFL teams, college football. He's been on media entities like NBC, NFL Network, CBS, ESPN, etc. Eric, as always, welcome to Wharton Moneyball. Fellas, it's so much fun to, to get to talk to you guys. And uh, I, I feel like this this week um, and next is going to be extra special, uh, not only you know for me as, as somebody who roots for the Chiefs, but also uh, for all of us as uh, you know a Wharton uh, Moneyball training camp alumni Zach Drapkin gets to uh, take part in his first Super Bowl as a, his first year as a quantitative analyst uh, for the Eagles. I, I don't know if we have wins above replacement for quantitative analysts yet, uh, but I'm just going to take the time to maybe uh, estimate that it's it's greater than zero uh, this year. So well, you, I can, I, you got to remember everyone that uh, he was our assistant producer for this show. That's one of his resume items that, uh, that is forgotten. And I can also thank him for the fact that the reason I was at the Giants game and the Eagles game was uh, because of Zach Drapkin and my son, Zach, as well. So both of them uh, played a big role in that. Well, Eric, let me just start out with, um, tell us about your re- in- instant reaction, your gut reaction right now to what you saw on Sunday. Like, what did you see? You sounded like you were at the Chiefs-Bengals game. Um, I was at the Giants, uh, the Eagles 49ers game. But as you look back on the two of those games, one of the things I asked uh, Adi and uh, Shane in Q1 of our show was like, did you update your beliefs? Like are the chiefs better than you thought they were? Are the Eagles better than they thought you, they were or no, everyone's kind of who you thought they were. No, I, you know, my, my initial read on the 49ers Eagles game was whichever team got ahead was going to win. And I know that that's, a, of course, that's the base rate anyway, but I always felt that it was a little higher than the base rate just because, um, and we've seen it in both Eagles playoff games they're a tremendous team went ahead. Um, you know, they run the football really well. They run the football in a very varied environment. Like they use their quarterback, they use a bevy of running backs. They use, you know, different schemes in that. And, you know, one of the knocks on the Eagles this year was that their schedule is really easy. Um, and I think an additional knock, which doesn't come into play when they play games like that on, on Sunday against a very good Niners team. That Niners didn't have their quarterback, of course, which, which sullies things a little, but, that they didn't play a difficult schedule of game scripts either. Many of their games, especially when Jalen Hurts was playing, they were playing from ahead. And there were games where they played from behind, 
uh, namely the Washington game where they lost on that Monday night game and the Indianapolis game uh, on the road, they struggled in many of the ways that you would predict a team to struggle when they rely on the run game, namely their quarterback, uh, Jalen Hurts, who I think has you know been fantastic given what he's asked to do. When he's asked to do something a little bit different, um, you know, you don't necessarily see the kind of efficiency you've seen with some of the elite quarterbacks. Now, nothing on Sunday changes that, right? They got out ahead. The other team's quarterback got hurt. And they did exactly what they did against the Giants, which is to run the football, control the game, play great defense. So, no, I don't think Mike Pryor's changed at all in that game. Um, Kansas City versus Cincinnati. I mean, you know, I felt like when the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill, um, used a bevy of draft picks to, you know, restart, you know, build out their wide receiver core, build out their secondary. I thought that they were going to be a much more resilient team this year, even if they weren't a star, uh, star, you know, laden, right? They lose three wide receivers in the in the uh, course of that game. They lose their best defensive back. And they were in a situation where Joe Burrow and his amazing wide receivers, now Tyler Boyd was injured, but the top two guys are still there, were facing a secondary with three rookie cornerbacks and an additional rookie safety, and they held up. And that was, you know, a, a, a position that I had from the day of the Tyreek Hill trade that many people disagreed with, that they would be resilient in the face of those, the, you know, that adversity, you know, so my prior doesn't change on the Chiefs. I, I feel like they were resilient. I don't know if their top end play is as good as it was in previous years, but I think that their medium play um, is, is more uh, persistent with respect to perturbations like that. Uh, so, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think the market's basically exactly where it was uh, on the look ahead as well. So to answer your question, I think, you know, very long-windedly, no, I don't think things change that much for me. Um, I think that, you know, this week still provides a game that has a lot of very wide distribution of outcomes. So, Eric, explain to me the difference in your ranking between Mahomes and, and Hertz. Obviously, Mahomes is the best and Hertz is lower, but how far do you see that gap? Yeah, I would say on a point spread perspective, you take Mahomes off of the Chiefs and you're probably talking about anywhere and – you know, points are not evenly distributed in the NFL, but just assume they are for a second. Seven and a half to nine and a half points to the point spread. Um, if you take Mahomes healthy to his backup or a replacement level player, I think that Hurts is probably more in the three and a half to five and a half range. And, and you know, and, and that's the that's the difficult question. And that's the most difficult question in football, which is if a, a player who does great with all the resources that are afforded to a team by having him on rookie deal money making a million dollars, how do you project that into the next phase, which I think is the coolest part of this game. You have a team where the quarterback is being helped, of course, by his inexpensive contract, and you have a quarterback whose team has overcome his expensive contract through, A, how good he is, and, and, and B, in my opinion, shrewd moves uh, by the front office. Um, I would say, you know, you're probably talking, you know, so what did I say? You're probably talking about a five, five and a half point difference between the two players. So how how important did you think this game was for Patrick Mahomes' legacy? My my heart, right? You know, as somebody who's a fan and like looking at legacy and knowing that winning the Super Bowl is the ultimate goal, it meant the that game meant the world, right? Like it was, you know, because uh, the Bengals were a team that like prior to last year had never won a road playoff game in the history of their franchise, and now Joe Burrow's coming in and winning two a season for uh, you know a couple years in a row. And, you know, it takes the, it takes the, what, I mean, to be the greatest of all time, I think you always have to be a part of the conversation. 
And I think if Joe Burrow would have beaten Patrick Mahomes, but, and they don't play against each other, you know, but if the Bengals with Burrow had beaten Mahomes right. in, in this game, I think all the attention for the offseason is on Joe Burrow, and rightfully so. Joe Burrow is an amazing quarterback. I think my, my head still says the Chiefs had a 75% win probability at one point in every one of those games. And, and so it still means that the Chiefs, in my opinion, would have been or are still a better team than the Bengals and Mahomes a better quarterback than Burrow. But there's also a, you know, as an analytics person, it kills me to say this, but in the minds of people, results matter. So it mattered a lot, I think, for folks who, who for the folks that, you know, sort of write the, write the history books. For guys like us, if the Bengals and Chiefs play week one next year, the, the Chiefs are going to be favored, and they should be, independent of what happened in that game the other day. But for the legacy, I think Mahomes needed to win that game. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm kind of a, uh, just to kind of reinforce a lot of what you're saying. I mean, I think, you know, I always think, I mean, Mahomes, you know, I, I can go both ways because I think Mahomes' legacy is going to be phenomenal regardless. And you could kind of argue he's still young. He's got plenty of years. Like if he happens to lose again, the AFC championship game, they're probably going to be back in it next year and for many years to come. But I mean, the counter argument of course, is that at least in his early career, this is the time when, to the extent that it's ever easy, this is the easiest time. He's not as expensive as he's going to be. It's going to be only, you know, more difficult, I think, to kind of keep renewing this amazing team around him as time goes on. And he's going to get older and maybe he hasn't peaked yet, but, you know, it's obviously it's not going to like 10 years from now, it's not going to be as easy to do what he's doing. And so I think, you know, kind of getting these wins in when he kind of should, when he is as, probably as good as he's ever going to be is is you know obviously in a cumulative sense going to be important long term well shane his history is on your side in that one right like because you look at um ben roethlisberger won two super bowls i think in his first you know he started in 04 his last super bowl win was 10 or sorry 08 last time he even made a super bowl was 2010 so he went the second half of his career without ever playing in one dan marino's only super bowl appearance was in year two aaron Rodgers' only super bowl win was in his third year as a starter and then never again uh far more than half of his career has been played without a super bowl and even um and you know elway it was weird but elway made most of his super bowls in the first half of his career and then yeah. had the 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 dirt you know he had the the separation there and then he won the two at the end and we always think oh it was continuously great it's like no actually not the denver broncos drafted tommy maddox out of ucla in the first round of the 2020 20 uh, sorry, 1992 draft to replace Elway. And because Dan Reeves had gotten, you know, sort of sick of him, he had more interceptions than touchdowns a few years in a row there. And and even back to Tom Brady, Brady won three in his first four years as a starter. And then they went a whole decade. With, like, yeah. Tom, think about this. Tom Brady's career is amazing as it is and as outlier as it is, how improbable it is, it is. He went 10 straight years without winning a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I think, Shane, like, you're absolutely right. Like, there's no, and we all think, oh, you know, especially this year, I think proves it out that like Mahomes is the, the unicorn where you pay him all the money, you build the roster kind of out of stars and scrubs, and you can still make it work. But that's not guaranteed. We're not guaranteed to have a Chiefs draft like the last one where they have, you know, six or seven starter caliber players in the draft. Like yeah. we just know that statistically that's not going to happen and players get older. What happens with Travis Kelsey? Yeah, I mean, it's easy? hard. It's harder. I mean, it's, I mean, because obviously you're, it's also benefit. You're, you're benefiting the fact that, I mean, Mahomes is clearly the best quarterback in football, but the Chiefs are obviously an excellent organization. It's yeah. hard to maintain organizational excellence because 
people keep trying to grab you, you know, it's well, going to be harder to hold on to your great coordinators and all, all this other stuff. Yeah, so. The guy, you know, Brant Tillis, who, who was, uh, who constructed the Patrick Mahomes contract, which if you look at it is one of the, um, you know, the, the best contracts that anybody's ever written in the NFL for the team. Um, he was interviewed for a general manager job just a couple of years ago. What happens if they don't have him or what, what happens, you know, like they've lost offensive coordinators, but interestingly, the one guy that they haven't lost is Eric Bieniemy. Like Andy, all of Andy Reid's coordinators have gone on. You know, Doug Peterson, you know, Frank Reich. You know, uh, all these. They, they keep, uh, Kafka went to the Giants, the quarterbacks coach. Now he's interviewing Greg coaching jobs. Eric Bieniemy, strangely, and I think there, there's you know a number of reasons for maybe why he hasn't gotten a chance to be head coach. But he's been the offensive coordinator the whole Mahomes era. He has not gotten. There's that continuity even there, which most great teams. You look at Buffalo. Um, you know, Dable, the, the offensive coordinator there, he went to go coach the Giants this year. And, the, and you know, the Buffalo Bills, who were favored to win the Super Bowl going into the year, you know, fell a little bit short this year. Not, you know, it's just it's marginal things like that that can keep you from winning Super Bowls that I think you were, you were favored for to going into the year. And so, yeah, I mean, if Mahomes d- and the Chiefs don't win that game on Sunday, I think it, doubt starts creeping in. It's like you've had your five cracks at winning an AFC yeah, right. championship game and two cracks at winning a Super Bowl. What is expectation reasonably for the rest of your career? So, Adi? Eric, yeah, it's interesting because you, you started off this, uh, this, this tangent, this direction of the conversation by reminding everyone that results shouldn't be everything, right? Because, in fact, we as analysts are always talking about not, warning not to result or resulting, and that we should be looking at the decisions and the actual plays and not get too t- tied up down by the randomness of the outcome. And then, of course, you, you, you described all these great quarterbacks essentially m- evaluating them by the number of Super Bowls, which by itself we know is a hugely yeah. random statistic. So let's. Uh, I want to ask a question specifically about Mahomes um, and other quarterbacks. Uh, are there different types of quarterbacks that can be expected to have longer careers? Is this style of play? And, and where does – where does Mahomes sort of fit in that? And, and even Jalen Hurts, I mean, because he's going to have a renewal in a couple of years. Is your, can you predict the, the the trajectory based on the type of quarterback in, in any way? It's strange because I think that there's a couple like, you know, um, correlated things there, right? Like the, the NFL has changed, um, you know, the, the style, like, so Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and guys like that who are kind of statuesque quarterbacks sit in the pocket like I think the league has evolved away from their style of play. And yep. so quarterbacks that come up that emulate them are going to be left behind because they don't fit. Whereas quarterbacks like Manning and Brady, they were so good that teams fit their schemes to them, you know? <laughs> and so it, it's a little bit hard as far as styles of play. I also like, frankly, don't have a great model for what a style of play is. Like how would you categorize Steve Young, um, a guy who was a brilliant thrower, but also ran a four five forty and could run with his legs and score, um you know how you know I think we all can categorize Lamar Jackson but also Lamar Jackson prior to Justin Fields was a singular player I mean when when Michael Vick ran for a thousand yards in 2006 two-thirds of his yards were on uh scrambles and when Lamar Jackson first ran for a thousand yards in 2019 two-thirds of his yards or more I believe were on design runs plays where the were running plays that the quarterback just ran so even then like you know, got, you know, there are some singular players there. And so, um, you know, I think a, a guy like Mahomes, you know, just given the nature of his contract is probably going to play, of course, another decade or so in the league. Uh, but, you know, it, it really has, it really has, you know, it really is a hard problem. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm sort of at the, the, the humility of, of this question because I, I just really, 
I, I don't know how to model it as well because I think that the non-stationarities of the league are are, are so substantial that um, you know even evaluating Mahomes like what kind of offense he's going to be in in five years is, is a vexing question. So yeah, and I mean, like part, oh, sorry, part ahead, of, I, I mean, just, you know, part of that complication too, is, I mean, I mean, you know, first pass my intuition is like, Oh, well, Mahomes to the extent that he, you know, has, has part of his greatness is based on mobility. That's probably not going to age in the same way. Everything else is, and probably opens him up for greater injuries, et cetera. And so that, but, but at the same time, you know, I mean, obviously the, the league is evolving the game, as you said, and part of that evolution is really trying to kind of, you know, change the rules such that quarterbacks are more protective from injury. And of course, injuries are, some injuries are unavoidable, but, you know, I mean, again, it's, it is a moving target. It's hard to kind of know what, like even a quarter of the quarterback position will look like 10 years from now. Yeah. It's, it's such a, it's such an interesting question. I, and I've had people, you know, especially back in my time at PFF who were, you know, would call me up and be like, Hey, like, what do you think of the PFF quarterback grades? And I, I was actually, there's a, a Twitter thread at Eric eager underscore where I sort of talk about, um, why I think in games with quarterbacks like Joe Burrow versus games like quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, why maybe the PFF grades miss a little bit of what Mahomes does and misses some of the negatives that a guy like Burrow does and why, you know, those grades are, you know, when you, when you write, you know, the grading system is based upon a rule book. And so when a guy comes in and kind of changes what our assumptions are about the position, you know, that changes, you know, when you think about like some, a, a, a metric like completion percentage over expected, right? Um, which is, I think, a cool metric. I don't think it ranks quarterbacks perfectly, of course, um, but sometimes a quarterback can come in and change our assumptions of what should go in that expectation. And so if we don't update our models or or, or we don't have a, a conversation about what should go in those models, a quarterback could rank poorly or positively in that metric because the expectation is wrongly calibrated. And, 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 that, and that, you know, is a very real problem, I think, in this league. And because you know, the league has now, I know 65 quarterbacks started this year, which is a record for non-strike years, but, but you only have 32 quarterbacks starting every single year for more or less. And, you know, you have, it's just a really hard problem not to overfit, you know? Well, Eric, I'd like to thank you for joining us here on Morton Moneyball. Eric Eager is the VP of research and development at Sumer Sports, longtime guest of the show. You can follow Eric at Twitter at Eric Eager underscore. Eric, thank you for joining us here on Morton Moneyball. Eric, Shane, Adi, you guys are the best. This is so much so much fun. I can't wait for two weeks of uh, really heady uh, football analysis from everybody. So take care, guys. Thanks a lot. Well, guys, that's been Morton Moneyball. Um, thank my co-host, Adi Weiner and Shane Jensen. I'd like to thank our producer, as always, Matt Datz, who gets us ready for the show. I'd like to thank our associate producer and sound engineer, Dion Simpkins, who makes all of this work. Uh, guys, this has been Sports and Statistics here on Morton Moneyball. Between now and next week, enjoy your sports, enjoy your statistics. We'll see you next week here on Morton Moneyball.